and people began getting touched. I didn't even get a chance to preach. People laid out under the power of the Holy Spirit, about 150 people laid out all over the place. And I used to tell myself that if I studied to preach all week, I'm a preacher, I don't care what happens. Well, God has the last word. <laughs> yeah, he, he can do more than we could ever uh, ask or imagine. Those testimonies coming from the tank were great. I think God spoke to all of us. But today we're going to bring a three-part series that we have titled Preparing for the Harvest. This three-part part series will last probably to the middle of November, probably up till Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which we will be having a church harvest banquet before Thanksgiving to celebrate the harvest of souls that we're believing that in the next three months we're going to win and we're going to celebrate them. So this series is going to cover the following topics. Preparing the laborers, preparing to sow, and preparing for rain. Remember when Jesus called his first disciples, uh, Peter and John, they were by their boats cleaning their nets. They were fishermen. And Jesus passed by and told them, come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. So when he told Peter and John that, that tells us plainly what he expects out of each and every one of us who becomes one of his disciples. The tabernacle ministry here is not called to make you a church member. We don't even do that. You don't sign cards here. You don't, you don't say, well, I'm a card-carrying member of the tabernacle church. No. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to do what that scripture on the wall says, and that is to make disciples out of everyone. That's the great commission which we have here. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, just like he was with us now. He's with us now to do that if we obey it. Now on this wall, we have how we're going to do that. This is how we're going to do it. It's over on this side. Last week, at the end of the Freedom Encounter, I forgot to get everybody to stand and say our supreme declaration of purpose as a believer. Stand with me for a minute. If you're a believer here, you're part of this church, we have a purpose. And this is what our purpose is. I want us to say this, okay? I have a purpose. My purpose is to win souls and make disciples. I accomplish my purpose best in a life group. I will never be satisfied until I accomplish my purpose. Tomorrow is too late. You may be seated. I feel like I want you to say this every week. In fact, you might do it. 
until we get to the harvest banquet. Because we're going to have a harvest of souls. And I'm believing that. So today I want to prime the pump a little bit for this series. Today's message I entitled Power Evangelism. As you know, I have pastored four churches over the 40 years that I've been in ministry. This is my third. Three out of the four that I pastored, we pioneered, we started from scratch. This is the third one. And I feel like the guy on TV. Have you ever seen that commercial for Farmers Insurance where they show you all the crazy accidents that happen to people that the Farmers Insurance has to pay for? The man says this, we at Farmers know a thing or two because we have seen a thing or two. Well, I've been in ministry 40 years. I have witnessed church growth over the years, and I know a thing or two because we have tried a thing or two. Over time, we have tried all kinds of gimmicks, special attractions, revival meetings, special guests to reach people. But I've concluded one thing after four, four decades. I've concluded that our greatest success is growth was in the Chalmette Church right before Katrina. We grew the church to 600 people. And I concluded that the bottom line to church growth is personal evangelism. That's us personally witnessing to people who need Christ. That's it. That's all we did. In the spirit of that vision that we had, in the same vision that we have here today, it hit that church. In fact, we was in Bogota, Colombia, to a church that had... 250,000 people, and I was asking them, how do you get this big? How do you get this big? Well, they had the vision, the same vision we have here, reaching people. They said the spirit of the vision must hit your church. And it hit Chalmette to where every person was a soul winner. And I want to tell you something. This church is not going to grow in my preaching. It's not going to grow in Pastor Joseph's preaching or Brother Nick's preaching, or anybody I get in here to preach. It's not about preaching. It's about us being a witness to a world that's lost and dying. And uh, because we will engage the lost, that's the first thing we see up here on the, on the board there. We're going to engage the lost. We're going to engage our community with personal evangelism. And personal evangelism doesn't happen by accident. We have to be deliberate. We have to be disciples that have a deliberate attitude that I'm going to win somebody to Christ. And the only way you're going to win it, you're going to have to be empowered supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Power evangelism is a is a result of spirit-filled believers living in the supernatural. I tell people, I'm not natural anymore. I'm supernatural. 
Because what's living inside of me now is not natural. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost does what God does. And that is to reach the lost. And it will be because this church is going to grow. Not because of the preaching, all of that. It's going to grow because of who we are. We have to be the disciples of Christ, the body of Christ, and be what Jesus says we are. What does he say we are? He said we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Now, that light and that salt is supernatural. It's not light. It's not the salt. It's supernatural light and supernatural salt. And meaning who we are will affect the world in which we're living in. Your world, my world, different worlds. We all got our sphere of influence in life. I only meet so many people in my world. You only meet so many people in your world. But in your world, we need to be the light and the salt that Jesus says we are. We should be a light to those who are walking in darkness. And anybody out there that doesn't know Christ is walking in darkness. We should be the salt to their distasteful lifestyle. They're out there. They don't like their life. Their life is bad. They hate it. Guess what? We can put salt in that life. We can bring salt to their distasteful life. See, salt makes food taste better. But salt also serves as a preservative. Salt saves food from spoiling and being lost. Well, that's what we do as Christians. We can preserve people from being lost. We can add salt to their life that is so distasteful. So, that makes us an evangelist. When we're out there saving lives, that makes us an evangelist. Why? Because all lives matter. Every life matters. Rich, poor, young, old, white, black, and every color in between, they all matter. Christ died for the world. All the world. Everybody who is lost. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was our master evangelist. We don't know what it is to win the loss. We have to look at Jesus. So we're going to go to John chapter 3. We're going to read 21 verses of Scripture. So if you didn't read your Bible this morning, this is it. All right, John chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God was not with them. In reply, Jesus declared, I'll tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. 
No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I'll tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and he will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Now, if this is the only scriptures we know, it's enough to win people to Christ. You don't have to know the whole Bible. Just know that. Just know what Jesus just told this religious man. Power evangelism is knowing the gospel and living in the gospel in the supernatural to win souls. So when people are saved by the power of God working through us, that's power evangelism. When you get somebody saved because you witness to them, that's power evangel. It has nothing to do with the natural. When people see our lives as being different, more than just natural, see, people are attracted, believe it or not, to the supernatural. They're attracted to it. That's why people read horoscopes. That's why they go to fortune tellers. That's why they read tea leaves. That's why they read their fortune cookies. That's why they wear good luck charms. They worship idols. They go to psychics, which I declare as psychos. They go to these people. They go to these people because they're looking for help outside of the natural realm. They go to spiritists. They go to these people because they know that there is a supernatural and that for them to be helped in their life, they have to somehow tap into the supernatural. Anything 
or person people trust in or put their faith in or pray to and put their hope in other than the one true God is an idol. It's the devil's tool for people to trust everything but God. <laughs> they say, I'm going to trust in luck. Or I'm going to trust in winning the lottery. Whatever the case may be, that is an idol. People in the world are looking for help and guidance outside the natural realm. They're looking for the supernatural for help. See, that's where we come in. They're looking for a power that is outside of them and outside of the natural realm because they believe their life is too far gone for any natural help. They need help outside of the natural realm. That's where we come in. We can lead them to the source of supernatural power that will change their life. Let me tell you something. That's the only way their lives are going to be changed. They got to come in contact with the supernatural power. John's gospel reveals Jesus as the master evangelist. Jesus was a soul winner. He preached to large, large crowds, but he was also the master of one-on-one. -on -one. I like that. Listen, I preached to hundreds already, but I tell you, I like the one-on-one -on -one thing. Because I can really see the power of God working through me to a person who is not saved. In John chapter 3, we see a religious leader drawn to Jesus. Why? Why was he drawn? He saw the supernatural working in Jesus. He was attracted to the supernatural. Look in verse 2, he said, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God was not with him. See, he said, listen, <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm seeing what you're doing. And no man can do that. The only way man can do that is somehow God's got to be with him. Jesus couldn't do those things without the supernatural power. So Nicodemus saw that supernatural power in Jesus, and Nicodemus wanted to know, how can I get into this? In other words, what, how you get into what you're doing? How do you get into that? In John 3, 3, Jesus said in reply, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You want to get into the supernatural? You got to be born again. See, you have to somehow connect to the supernatural. And you connect, not by joining a church, not by signing a card, but coming to Jesus Christ and he touches your life supernaturally. When Jesus was talking about being born again, he's talking about supernatural stuff. He's not talking about religious things. He's talking about the supernatural. Nicodemus didn't understand it. And Jesus says in verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So when we start talking about spirits now, we're talking about the supernatural realm. Because anyone born of the spirit of God experiences supernatural power of God. Listen, 49 years ago, I knelt down after I heard the gospel 
one of the elders of Lakeview Christian Center, led me in a sinner's prayer, and I knew what I touched. <laughs> I knew what I touched was not of this earth. It was not religion, but something supernaturally touched me. I didn't know what it was. I knew it was God. And let me tell you something. I didn't even know what kind of church I was in. I didn't know what they believed. I didn't know anything about anything. All I knew is that the supernatural power of God touched my life. In the gospel, Jesus referred to himself in two phrases. He called himself the Son of Man, referring to his virgin birth by, by Mary, his mother, who conceived by the Holy Ghost. But he also used the phrase the Son of God because God is his Father. So we see the natural and the supernatural connected together. He was the Son of Man. He was the Son of God. He was 100% God, 100% man put together. He did miracles because he had access to the supernatural. When we are born again, we participate now in the divine nature of God, as Peter tells us, that we now have the privilege and, and the promise that we can participate in the supernatural. Because God's Holy Spirit is now in us. We're no longer working in the natural realm. We're working in the supernatural because God's Holy Spirit is in us. I'm not limited anymore to my natural ability. I can tap in to the supernatural. When God wants to use me, he's going to use me by the supernatural power. Because I don't have any. You don't have any. God has it all. We're not limited anymore to natural ability. See, people can be religious with natural ability. You can go through the religious things just like Nicodemus did. You can go through the religious rituals in the natural. But I'll tell you this, you will never rescue anybody from the bondage of sin with natural ability. You won't happen. You can, you can, you can use psychology on them. You can use psychiatry on them. You can use anything. They'll never be delivered until somehow you lead them to the supernatural power of God. You can't live a godly life. You can't live a holy life without supernatural power. The world, the flesh, the devil cannot be beaten or overcome in the natural. It's only going to be beaten by supernatural power. That's why we are capable of power evangelism. Power evangelism is us Carrying the anointing of God, the power of God to rescue anybody who has need. Now, to operate in power evangelism, we've got to know three things. Number one, man's greatest need. Number two, the source of power. Number three, how to use what God gives us. Okay, so the first thing we've got to understand is to know what man's greatest need is. 
from Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, we know it wasn't about religion. There wasn't, there wasn't, nobody was talking religion. See, because Nicodemus was a religious teacher. He didn't need any more religion. See, he was religion to the max. He had it all. He had everything down pat. Somehow, Nicodemus realized that it wasn't enough. Religion wasn't enough. He saw something in Jesus that really uh, set his curiosity up. How is this man connected to God? His religion didn't do it. The world is full of religion. And it hasn't changed anything. Hasn't changed. The world is not any better because there are a million religions out there. We know Christianity is not just having our sins forgiven. That's not all it is. That's not it. That's not why, that's not why Jesus came, just to forgive us our sins. See, just having our sins forgiven is like taking a pig and washing it up, and getting it all clean, putting bowls on it and all of that. As soon as you leave that pig alone, he's going right first chance he gets, he's heading for the mud puddle. He's, he's heading back there. You see, it's the same when the world tries to reform people. Man doesn't need to be reformed. Man needs to be reborn. Man needs to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. See, he needs to be born again by the Spirit of God. He's got to come into contact with the supernatural and to receive the Spirit that makes them a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Society has all these reforming systems like the 12-step program and AA and a, a lot of these uh, uh, drug rehabilitation programs where you go to a group every week and you confess that you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, etc. And when you complete the 12-step program, you still introduce yourself as a reformed or recovering alcoholic. Let me tell you how I introduced myself. My name is Carl Catalanato. I was an alcoholic. I was a dope hit. I was immoral. I was a liar. I was a thief. But I'm not that anymore. I'm not a reformed anything. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been born again by the blood of Jesus and by the power of His Holy Spirit. That's who I am. I'm nothing else but that. It's a supernatural work that happened to me and it's miraculous. See, when a person is born again, it's a miracle of God. You know what I understand? Every time I witness to someone, I've done it many times, I prayed with someone and their life changed. Guess what? I was somehow involved in a supernatural happening. A miracle happened. And I was part of it. I was right in on it. God used me. He gave me the words to say and pow, somebody's life got changed. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's what we're about and that's the only thing we're about. We're not about anything else. 
We're not going to put on a show here. We're not going to do any of that. When someone is led to Christ, then they are born again and it's a miracle. Listen to me. It's a miracle. I've seen people's lives change right in front of me. Wow. Somehow I was a conduit. <laughs> I was a conduit of God using me supernaturally. So when we lead somebody to Christ, I want to tell you something. I'm, 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 I'm hooked on that. <laughs> I'm an addict to that. <laughs> I love that. My brother Chris, brother Chris loves it too. But listen, there's no greater thing than you can be doing. It's greater than turning water into wine. It's greater than feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. It's greater than that. You're changing somebody's life because of the supernatural power that God uses through us. The greatest need for everybody on earth is to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be born again. We've got to understand that. Listen to me. You, we can give them money. We can give them food. We can give them place to live. We can give them whatever they have naturally. But if we don't give them Christ, we ain't giving them anything. Listen, we can give all our money to them. We can give them everything. But if we don't give them Christ, if they're not born again, we haven't done anything. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to help our people. We're going to do all that we can do. And let me tell you something, parents with your children. Don't think for a second that just, we got a lot of kids here. They're going to grow up in here. They're going to see what we do. They're going to know the songs. They're going to know the scriptures. They're going to know the Bible. But I'm going to tell you this. You better watch out for them. Because sooner or later, they got to come to the same place you came. They got to come to the cross of Calvary. They got to admit that they're a sinner and lost without Christ. Let me tell you something. Just because your kids grow up in church doesn't necessarily mean they're born again. They have to be born again. I remember, you know, my daughter Mia, uh, I, the first church I pastored in uh, River Ridge, she was uh, probably 11, 12, and uh, uh, one Wednesday night, you know, I've been looking for something to happen in her. And I remember preaching, and I gave the altar call, and, and I don't know, I was just praying for people to be healed and what have you, and, and I saw her come to the altar, and I, I purposely started praying for people at the other end. I said, I don't know what she's down here for, but I'm hoping that she's down here for what I think she's down here for. So I was praying for people when I got to her, I said, baby, what do you need the Lord to do for you? She started crying. She says, I want to be saved. She was six months old when I came to Christ. She grew up in church. Her daddy's now a pastor, but that don't mean anything. They got to come to Christ. And you as a parent, you can't just take it for granted that because they're in church, they're okay. When they come to an age of accountability, you better make sure they made a decision 
to come to Christ. Because that's the greatest need. It's greater than giving them a college education. It's greater than buying them a car. It's greater than buying them a house. It's greater than anything like that. Coming to Christ is the greatest thing that you can give them. Okay? Let's go on. The second thing we need to know in power evangelism is knowing the source of power. That source of power is none other than the Holy Ghost. When Jesus promised us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The church must be a witness. This church is not here by accident but it should be a witness to this community. But it won't be a witness without the supernatural power. It won't be a witness without the power of God's Holy Spirit. When we leave here and go out there, in fact, Pastor Joseph, we got to put up at the door out there, that when you leave this building, you are entering the mission field. The mission field's out there. It ain't here. It ain't here. This is where the Avengers get fired up to go out there. See, when you leave this building, you are entering the mission field. Wherever God is sending you, you are an ambassador for Christ. You are a minister of reconciliation. You can go get somebody and get them right with God that created them. So what did this power look like that Jesus promised? Well, we found out on the day of Pentecost, 120 disciples received the power. What did it look like? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said was going to be the power that was going to cause them to be witnesses to all the areas of the world. Now, if you don't have this, seek it. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to seek it with all of your might. Many of you received it last week at the Freedom Encounter. Thank God that God moved that way. But we see uh, in Acts chapter 2, Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, is now empowered by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he now preaches to thousands of Jews in Jerusalem. The same Peter that denied Jesus three times to a young girl, couldn't even confess Jesus to a young girl, is now empowered that he's speaking to thousands of Jews on the day of Pentecost. This is how it went down. Acts chapter 2 verse 40. With many other words he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The power of God, Holy Spirit, and Peter. 3,000 were saved. That same Holy Spirit that came on Peter is the same Holy Spirit that's in us. So I think we ought to be able to win one soul. Jesus preached, I mean, Peter preached and got 3,000. Let's just look for one. 
If all of us win one in the next three months, we're going to need more seats. We're going to need more seats. The Holy Spirit's presence has got to be with us. I remember experience the first time I, when I came to Christ, and I didn't know anything about anything. All I knew is that God touched my life, and I had to tell somebody. I had to tell somebody. I didn't know what to tell them. I just had to tell them God changed my life. But I realized when I began to do that, I sensed the presence of God working through me. I said, whoa, this is good. I don't even know what to say. And God's giving me words to say. And it's touching people's lives. See, witnessing is every Christian's act of service to the Lord. When we witness and get someone saved, that's like giving him a reward for all that he's done. We're doing it. The Holy Spirit is in us and gives us the power to witness. That's why Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you something. You ain't going to win anybody half-loaded. You forget about that. You forget about that. They ain't going to listen to you. You ain't going to have no power. You just as well keep your mouth shut. Remember Pastor Joseph, that, that guy I was praying for when he was in Covington at the church? He was telling me how he goes into crack houses and witnesses. He's doing crack. He's trying to witness to crackheads. I said, you. <laughs> he got mad at him. I told him to stay out of there and keep his mouth shut. He got mad at me. He said, you ain't no witness. You in there doing the same thing they doing. How are you going to witness to them? Tell him to keep his mouth shut. So what is the motivation behind witness? Why are we going to go out there and do that anyway? Well, we should be recognizing the condition of this world out here. It's grievous. People are lost. People are hurting. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to get out of what they're in. See, normality in the world today is nothing but sin and ungodliness. It looks like they can't get enough. They just keep doing it. They, more and more ungodliness is taking place. Sin and ungodliness doesn't even affect the people anymore. They, their conscience is gone. Nothing, nothing matters anymore to them people. The world lives without knowing the consequences of sin. They're like sheep that are being led to slaughter. They don't know what the end result of their life is. Because there is a law of sowing and reaping. We know. They ain't getting by with anything. You see all this crime going on in the cities and in our, in our country and even in the world. These people going out there doing it. They think they're not going to have any consequence. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul said, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So when we see people without Christ reaping the results of their life, 
from sowing into sin, the compassion of Christ needs to well up in us and, and reach out and tell them, you, you got to turn from that. What you're experiencing is what you're living in, is what you're experiencing. It didn't take me long. I wasn't the smartest guy in the world. But I realized the condition I was in when I came to Christ was my fault. It was because of what I decided to do with my life that I ended up in a place I was at. It don't take a genius to realize that. They don't see it. We have to tell them, you're in this condition because of the path you're taking. Let's take another path. Let's go in the opposite direction. See, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, it was God's love and compassion for the world that he sacrificed the Son. It was God's love for sinners in a world that is lost and dying. It was God's love that caused him to act on our behalf. The Apostle Paul tells us God's love has been put in us. In Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Now, if God has poured out His love in our hearts, then it was His love that sent Jesus to the cross to be crucified for us then somehow, if we have that love, we need to be looking at those in the world with compassion. Don't cut them down. We need to feel sorry for them. We need to have compassion to reach them. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says, this is why he's preaching. He said, because God's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So if God's love is truly in us, we ought to love like He loves and desires what He desires. That nobody be lost. Nobody. We can't just live our lives and don't look at the people around us without any effort to reach them for Christ. See, when we commit our lives to do that, I know when I had beauty schools, I had 90 students in each one of those schools. I used to drive on the way to work and say, God, just show me one of these, one of these students. Just show me one. You see, if we're not looking for one, we're going to pass up the one. Because you see, God has divine appointments. If you are a an evangelist for him, he's going to bring you somebody in need. He knows who has the need to hear what you have to say. I used to pray, Lord, show me one. And by the end of the day, God would point out one of those students. Most of them didn't want to have anything to do with me because they knew I was a Christian. They don't, they don't want their deeds come to light when they get around me. But when they get in trouble... They're looking for somebody that has some kind of an answer to help them. Every one of us is in our own world of influence. There's someone out there in your world right now that needs you to tell them 
that Jesus is the answer to their life. There's somebody out there. The third thing is that we need to know how to use what God gives us. I remember 49 years ago when I first heard the gospel by my first pastor, Pastor Alan Polson, who's going on to be with the Lord now. He, even though he, was, he wasn't a, the most charismatic preacher, he, he was mostly a teacher, very intelligent. But he wasn't the most charismatic preacher. But I want to tell you something. He was connected to the supernatural. And when he preached on the cross of Christ and him crucified, he had no idea how it was displayed to me when I first came into that church by the Holy Spirit of God. Because you see, he had access to the supernatural. And that's all that matters. See, he was connected. That's all it took for me to be saved and be born again. It wasn't how well he could communicate the gospel. It wasn't how well he could articulate the gospel. Somehow he was connected to supernatural power that every word he said went right through me. It's about being connected to the power source. That's why at the end of the text we read, Jesus tells Nicodemus this in verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This is where we're at if we're going to if we're going to live the way God wants us to live and, and be empowered supernaturally to evangelize, we have to live by the truth. That way, when people look at us, they're going to see that it's plainly God working in our life. Plainly. That when you speak, they're going to know for sure that you are in touch with the supernatural power. See? Nobody's going to be touched without the Holy Ghost. You, you can preach, you can, you can talk, you can, you can have all the words you want to say. Without the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, you won't touch anybody. So that means we've got to live in it. We've got to live our life in it. We've got, we got to walk close to God where His presence, see the presence we felt in this worship service? It's got to go out there. That when people get around you, they're going to know there's something there. <laughs> they're going to know there's something there that is supernatural. Listen, I've had people come up to me. Uh, uh, in fact, a, a guy, John DeSalvo, I had him here one night. I introduced y'all to him many years ago. He was one of the students in my beauty school. He came up to me. He said, what is it about you, man? I wasn't telling him anything. When you walk around with the presence of God in you, they're going to know it. They might not know what it is, but they're going to know it's different. And they're going to ask you about it. And that's when you can tell them it's Jesus. Listen, I've won a lot of people to Christ 
before God called me into ministry. That's why I accepted the call, because I want to keep doing it. But I want to tell you something. My life out there in the world was very effective. Your life in your world is effective if you're walking in the supernatural power of God. Bow your heads with me. There's somebody here, I believe, that you have never been born again by the Spirit of the living God. This is your day. This is your day. If you have never been born again, you've never given your heart and life to Jesus. You've never been touched by supernatural power. This is your day. If you're here in this place, say, Pastor, I've never given my heart and life to Jesus. I need to do that. I need to know my sins are forgiven. I need to know God loves me. And I need